Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers. I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. And we have a guest with us in the virtual studio tonight. It's our good buddy, Fox. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Mike. Thanks for inviting me back. Hey, how's it going? It's doing well, my friends. We have to have you on the air because I think uh, the, the podcast world is is uh, suffering greatly these past month or so without <laughs> Geek Scholars on. <laughs> yes, Geek Scholars Review News has taken a slight hiatus. Um, there is less news to report, I'm afraid to say. Mm. But um, I am so happy that I could be back with you, both of you, on the porch. Right? Are you are you itching to be to be on the on the mic and to get things out and to talk about all the things? <laughs> it's a good question. I, I have lots to write about. Um, uh, to plug my own my own site, I'm I'm the lead film critic and lead film a uh, lead uh, tabletop gaming uh, critic on LRM Online. And while film news is in decline and films are harder to see, there are plenty of games to play. So I am very busy. Uh, I want I want to educate people about all the great board games they could be playing in quarantine. But I do miss talking, uh, and I do miss talking with the both of you about all things geeky. And I know there are plenty of topics to cover, so I'm very excited <laughs> about the conversation true. we're going to have this evening. That's true. Say, you've, been, you've been also been, the way I understand it, you've been uh, doing a, a bit of uh, – movie history in your quarantine time right like, yeah, a little, movie watching history I mean. a little bit a little bit i do have a young one um a, a young padawan and i find it important that he learn about all the great movies that i watched as a kid and some even as a teenager and as an adult so we are going through various series uh you are correct we went through indiana jones or went through x-men we're dabbling in star trek and we're currently on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series, uh, mm. which has aged pretty well for when you're seven, I think. <laughs> sure, so, sure. That's been a lot of fun. Do you get that? I feel like the first one of those had a strong, like, post 9-11 vibe. Am I just r- conflating that in my head? Well, it's interesting, Dennis, you would say that because the original teaser for for Spider-Man is hard to find now because this was when they made a teaser trailer that had nothing to do with the actual film in that the footage shown wasn't in the actual film. In the film. movie, right, right. That's right. So the original teaser trailer was a looked like a bank heist movie, right? There was these robbers who were getting away with something. They hop into a helicopter after robbing some sort of establishment and they fly off. And then suddenly the helicopter stops. Um, something pulls it backwards and it, they go back at, at like uh, incredible speed and they find themselves suddenly stuck. And as the camera zoomed out, Sam Raimi was genius about this. There was a web that had been strung between the two towers. Between the twin towers. Um, the twin yeah. towers, not the two towers. <laughs> two towers is a different movie. Sorry. The twin towers. Um, and that was how they introduced the Spider-Man movie. Unfortunately, you're absolutely right, Dennis, that the film came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. This uh, teaser trailer was released in the summer of 2001. Right. Um, and so that teaser trailer has been lost to time, but it was absolutely wonderful in, in the way it sort of introduced the Spider-Man character. Um, they didn't change anything in the film. They digitally did edit out the two, the, I keep saying it, the Twin Towers mm-hmm. from the film. Um, but it does have that sort of early 2000 you know, spirit of fun that I think the uh, the superhero genre had. We got mm-hmm. you know with this the X Men movies, the right. uh, the first Daredevil film, um, Fantastic Four, 
Um, so there is a level of um, optimism and enthusiasm that I think you can't ignore. I don't think I've really thought about that before. I I bought and played at least partially through the um, the Spider Man PlayStation game that came out uh, like 2018. I feel like maybe last year. Um, and I remember thinking because that game people talk about that game and its traversal. Right, there are no load screens or anything, but you just swing around Manhattan, uh, you know, for for most of the game to get to wherever you know the the activities are. And I was very aware of that thing people say where Spider Man only really works in a big city, and especially well in New York. Like obviously there are other cities, but as far as concentration of skyscrapers, like I mean maybe if you go to um. Uh, what am I thinking? Dubai or um, or Hong Kong, maybe. But uh, yeah, just that that like tall building thing. Like the web thing doesn't work if you're out in the woods. Maybe if you're uh, Tarzan. But I'd never put that connection together that before um nine eleven for that whole span of time those buildings were there. That would have been a big part of that identity of that character. And so, oh, for sure. yeah, doing a kind of, um, you know, little trap or whatever between those buildings is an obvious, uh, um, you know, sort of visual image. And yeah, obviously after, after that day, you can't, you can't do that. When anymore. was that? When was that made? Uh, that, that, those movies? It was, well, didn't you say it was made before, but they couldn't release it. Right, they had to go oh, back yeah, and yeah. and edit out the. I kind of remember that uh, from the so, time. Sydney will watch a lot a lot of shows these days, and she'll see like the towers in there. And and she was that happened before she passed. Uh, I mean, it, before, it passed before she, before she was, was born. born. Yeah, and so she didn't. She never really knew that that as a symbol of New York. But she'll see that. Right. She's like, oh, this is an old movie. Then, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, like uh, Home Alone two. Right, he goes up in the. Um, he goes up on one of those towers. Uh, yeah, the, the movie was not delayed um, for the release, unlike okay. the other movie I think we're going to re- be talking about tonight. But because they had figured out the CGI of the film, they were able to release the tr- teaser trailer, which was a true teaser in that, again, it had no footage from the film, in the summer of 2001. But then that teaser was pulled because September 11th happened, and mm-hmm. then the film was released in May um, of 2002. Okay. Oh, 2002. Yeah. All right. All oh, right. So time. So, it wasn't delayed. So that's it just such a had... bummer topic, guys. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, not, it was not delayed. Um, it just had but, its but teaser it, very But early. it was interesting. It's funny. I, to your point, Dennis, you know, uh, director John Watts, when he did Spider-Man Homecoming, did try to make fun of that idea where Spider-Man finds himself in suburbia mm-hmm. um, and he's running across these huge lawns and fields and cannot find anything to swing onto. And then you see Tom Holland's Peter Parker running across, you know, as fast yeah. as he can do, to get through. Do they do a Ferris Bueller sequence in that movie? Am I? Yeah, they do. Um, they do. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an homage to Ferris Bueller yeah, yeah. racing to get home to beat mm-hmm. his... Uh, uh, principal slash sister home. Um, but yes, right. you're I wonder if that holds up. I bet that stuff. holds up. I haven't seen that one in forever. Spider-Man Homecoming holds up. No, no, no. I mean, Ferris <laughs> Bueller. I know. So. I know. It does <laughs> hold up. 
Yeah, there's yeah. there's very little. I mean, a couple of things about cars and computers from the 80s, but other than that, aside from the style of it, I think the the overall themes and so forth are are pretty, if not timeless, at least still applicable. Right. You know, whatever, like 30, 40 years later. Yeah, some some of the things, though, that you watch, it's um, like uh, the, the time setting is like, how do parents let kids just go walk the neighborhood like that? You know, like, <laughs> which a lot of kids don't do these days or, sure. you know, what kids just hung out in neighborhoods by themselves. I don't understand. In front you know? of the circle. K. <laughs> it's crazy. So what, what, what else have, what else have you guys been watching besides Spider-Man? Any, any other, are you just taking him through like uh Marvel comic book stuff or are you giving him other? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a mix of, um, I would say it's the Disney plus, uh, library, Mike, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, a little bit of, um, yeah. Mighty Ducks, uh, a little wow, bit that's, that's of, a uh, yeah, Little Giants. Um, Has he seen Sandlot? I can't, I can't remember. Sandlot, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sandlot is on so the that's list. Fantastic. Uh, one of the last ones we watched, ooh, you, I think you'll both appreciate this, Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and watching his first encounters with evil E.T. Um, how, how's, how's that hold up? It holds up well. Um, yeah. In fact, I I would even argue that in our modern era of understanding technology, it holds up better, even though they didn't have the technologies that we know we have today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In 1996, you know, the biggest criticism it had, like one or two years later, was that Je- Jeff Goldblum is able to upload this virus right. to the mothership. However, I... I have to defend the film a little bit because they show how they understand how the two technologies interface. And I never thought I'd be an Independence Day defender because I didn't love it as a kid. (laughs) But um, I kind of was like, yeah, I get how David could do that. Sure. (laughs) You know, they had, you know, Brett Spiner's in it, you know, as the the director of the uh, Institute where they're holding technology for 40 years. I'm like, you know, with modern technology, you could figure out a code to get these two systems talking. I'm okay with this. Mm-hmm, um, right. And so uh, I enjoyed it a lot, as did Nathan. You know, a seven-year-old still thinks it's exciting. And so uh, so I give it a thumbs up. I may have even enjoyed it more, uh, you know, now thinking about it less uh, than I did when I was younger. Sure, sure. The the uh, I remember the last time I watched that, which wasn't terribly long ago. My my uh, question I, I kept having is like, oh yeah, but like if that was actually like futuristic space technology, wouldn't they be using Wi-Fi and wireless? Why do they have to like plug into the port to you know upload viruses and stuff like that? I don't. I, but I you know, that. it's funny you say that because <laughs> because that's what made it actually more believable in the modern Some, era. Sometimes yeah. the old ways are best. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about BSG where they had all their stuff old tech so that it couldn't get hacked. That's true. That's very true. That's that's one that I'll watch occasionally. Still, I think that has that kind of holds up a bit. I was surprised at how much it holds up. It was Mm -hmm. it was legitimately fun. Nice. Yeah. There's. I'm trying to think. I watched uh, just recently this last week because I did some of that with Sid. I, I think. I don't know if it was inspired by you and your son going through things, but I, th- I think maybe some of the things you were mentioning, you've been mentioning uh, have made me think that I, you know, I should watch a show or there's some movies that are older that are still really good. And I haven't seen in so long. Um, I know Sid had not seen back to the future and we went and watched that. Um, and she really enjoyed it. And then 
the one we watched last week, some point, some point we watched um, Armageddon, uh, which mm. kind of holds up, but not That's, really. I mean, if if you yeah. asked me on the list we've heard, uh, Sandlot is not one that I saw when I was young. The previous uh, Mighty Ducks and and Little Giants are ones that I saw many times. Um, I think Little Giants was one that we had on VHS, so I've seen it more than many more times even than than Mighty Ducks. But um, if if you had asked me Independence Day, I would say yeah, that probably holds up. If you asked me Armageddon, I would have said uh, I bet that it doesn't. Maybe it does. But. <laughs> I'll give two more. Men in Black holds up, and mm-hmm. Princess Bride. Men sure. in Black. Well, yeah, Princess, Princess Bride, Bride is sure. is fairly timeless. I feel like. Yeah, it is timeless. The um, Men in Black, really, man. I that that feels like a weird one. Although the, I think the Men in Black movies kind of went on a downward trajectory after the first one. I, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it. I think the second and third ones felt a little bit like they were kind of milking the milking the thing, but but they're all also they're very lighthearted kind of don't take yourself seriously at all movies. Sure. So I don't know how you can like really judge that. It's just, it, it is what it is and you enjoy it or you don't. Right. I right. mean, a lighthearted movie can be bad. Oh, for sure. For right. sure. But I mean, I mean, I guess the thing is it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's right. You know, it doesn't, ex- it kind of feels like it doesn't really matter if you think this is a good movie or not. This is what we like and is fun and funny. And some people like it and it's fun and funny. Sure. I'll defend the third one by just saying that Josh Brolin does a really excellent impression of Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Is that the the one from last year or whenever that was? Oh, no, no. It's number three. Josh Josh Brolin plays the younger version of Tommy Lee Jones against Will Smith. Where okay. Wilson is trying oh, to yeah, figure, yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. and he's super happy actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to figure out like, why are you such a curmudgeon in the future? And that's right. kind of the the whole arc of the, the film because Josh Brolin is very Tommy Lee Jones, but still happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "What happened to you, man?" <laughs> I'm not sure if I saw that one. It was only once, and so I don't remember it very much at all. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Right. That, yeah. The third one, it was okay. I guess the the. What about the new ones? I, I guess I never really talked to anyone about the new one. With uh, has anybody uh, seen Hemsworth. those? It's because no one saw the new ones. I, they I were saw not the new good. One. I watched it when it came online or something. But oh, uh, they were a misfire. And the production crew director have all said it was an absolute mess, and they totally fumbled the ball. They had excellent talent. In Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, Tessa Thompson. Um, Liam Neeson, that's questionable talent, I guess. But hmm. overall, oh. I mean, you said Liam Neeson was, was questionable talent. That is a- um, that's a whole other podcast, Mike. We'll get back to that <laughs> next week. Um, no, I mean, they, they, they had all the ingredients and it, Men in Black is such a bankable idea. It's timeless. You know, mm-hmm. as, as, as Dennis said word earlier, like it's just people fighting aliens like that should go on forever. But the film was boring and confusing and unnecessarily. So like in, yeah. in so many ways you should be able to make it just like the buddy cop version of James Bond with aliens instead of Russians. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. it. A lot of goofy gadgets, funny, you know, 
quippy little side characters. Yeah. Not so much with the the womanizing, just like the buddy cop. <laughs> but like the formula, the formula, the, the formula right, is like, so simple. Yeah, you'd think so. But they had a hard time making the film. There were a lot of different feelings on the direction, and it just didn't come together. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wonder how long. Um, man, I hate saying this, but I wonder how long Hemsworth, his his quirky, attractive charm is going to last. Like that sounds terrible because I'm enjoying all of his stuff now, but <laughs> that's what he was in the men in black movie. That's kind of what he's going with Thor and it's great, but I don't know if it, there's no range or anything there. It's just kind of like the one character he does now. Well, what's fascinating that Mike, that's an astute point because he's been now in three other franchises, which have all failed. Although people said he's been one of the best parts. And those three franchises are, as you said, men in black. Remember he played the odd, chauvinist not chauvinistic but quirky secretary in ghostbusters and he was also a like the handsome dude who is kind of hitting on everybody in vacation which is a reboot of the national lampoon series Mm. um so they've tried to put him into other franchises and those three things have one unfortunate thing in common most people didn't like them um yeah so i think you're putting out there a, a good thing it seems like he needs a new vehicle um to to operate in which and i'll i'm going to go one step further did either of you see i have not seen this but extraction which is i did see that i did see that which is so i'd like to hear your thoughts on that because they went the other way right because chris is one half you know muscle bustling action hero and one half comedic genius and they from what i saw in the marketing it seemed like extraction was leveraging one half of that what were your thoughts on that movie like the uh, old yeah. you're talking about the like the first couple movies thor like like 2012 thor uh, from avengers well i just mean in general i mean chris hemsworth is a muscle bulging yeah, dude sure, right? right so he could either yeah. he's either an action hero or he's a comedic force and i think the thing that taiki watiti figured out was how to use both of those sides sure but extraction seems like they're trying to be like oh be like schwarzenegger okay yeah that it it definitely was and it it it, i mean there's i don't want to blame it on hemsworth because i i you know we watched it sid and i watched it because she was like oh it's thor and i was like oh we can watch this thing and and then it was um i don't know it I can't know if it's writing or directing or acting or all of it. Um, the guy from uh, Stranger Things is in there too, the sheriff. Uh, David Harbour. David Harbour. David Harbour, right. Um, and I think I started to get really low on that movie. And then Harbour showed up. I'm like, oh, hey, look, here's a, here's an interesting thing. It kind of got <laughs> me back in. And then they kind of waste that character. And then it goes back into, again, him being like this lone wolf hero, uh, Schwarzenegger character. But I'll say it, it doesn't work so well. He just... It's kind of bland. I don't really have any care for his character. There's nothing. I think there's a bunch written in there. He's supposed to have this big, big past and stuff, but he just doesn't act it like give me facial cues or kind of heartfelt things that I cared at all. Um, mm-hmm. And even the kid that he's supposed to be like rescuing in that that movie, it just. I guess nothing. There's, it's sure there's a whole bunch of like fight scenes with guns and and slums and stuff like that and like Mogadishu type stuff. But I've seen better, much better in other places and much better, deeper character roles in that spot. I'd say like Blood Diamond and things like that. 
Uh, so no, he, he just wasn't. And now that you mention it, Fox, he was, I guess, same acting level as was in the first couple of Thors, hmm. you know, which is fine, but you know, I don't, I don't think I had seen him at least not that I was aware of when I saw Avengers, I probably even saw Avengers before seeing either of the standalone Thor films. Um, I definitely saw Iron Man in 08 in the theater. Um, and I don't know what was in between. I probably saw Hulk. Anyway, when I saw Avengers, I had not seen the Thor movies. And I was like, this is, this character does not appeal to me at all. Uh, he's just very, yeah. like, he's doing the weird Thor voice. And it's not funny. And, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... uh. I, I liked the first Thor. There there was some scenes in there where he's more tender type stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's a long bit to say, though, that, that Hemsworth is charming and he does have comedic timing and he's pretty good. He was the best part of the, the newer Ghostbusters. He was um, obviously great in Thor Ragnarok. He played funny in Endgame and Infinity War mm-hmm. uh, and cool when he needed to be. So I think that's a good that's a good spot for him. And I'm not knocking him for that. But I don't know how long he can keep playing that same character. Well, I think he needs to pick better else. projects that speak to his strengths. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're right. You're probably right. Yeah. Needs a better um, agent. Yeah. That, that, that's, he, he needs to call up Ryan Reynolds agent is what he needs to do. <laughs> he needs better friends. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, well, speaking of uh, movies, since we're on, on that topic, let's uh, talk about our 2020 challenge. What do you say, Dennis? Sure. Let's do it. So this week we're talking about uh, Martin Scorsese's 2002 uh, drama, Gangs of New York. That is Scorsese is Scorsese. Scorsese is the the key term there. I think. I think. <laughs> I mean, of all this, I think he is he's the one that made this movie. I mean, it's. I'm going to say dub by saying it. He's the one that made this movie, everything. It's not just the acting or just anything else. It's pretty much his vision of, you know, the 19 or 1840s, uh, New York city slums that makes this interesting. Um, yeah, I, I had forgotten that he directed this until we got to the end credits and, Oh, (laughs) if I had remembered that from the beginning, I might've had different expectations. Watch rewatching this movie. Cause I've, I've seen it, but Probably when it was almost new, and so I did not remember any of the events as they as they happened. That you mean the oh the whole oh so it was like watching it brand new for for the most part. Like I remembered kind of some high points, and when it got to the end, um, I I remembered having seen that, but all the stuff in between, in between, I was just like, what's uh, what's going on here. Just in, yeah, case, just in case some of your listeners have never, ever heard of this movie because it was made in 2002. It's a long time back. What is this movie about? So uh, it's about gangs in New York, man. Yeah. It's gangs. There, in there New are York. these gangs. They're in New York. Like the Warriors and the, the Jets. It's a the, great podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks and the Jets. Um, the Sharks and the Jets. It's. It's a revenge story, I think, at its heart. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio plays the son of a man who is... uh, This is spoilers. I'm going to hit the bell. 
Well, spoiler bell. Even though it's set up in the first sequence. But he's the son of the man who is killed in the prologue. And he comes back as a young man to eventually exact his revenge on the man who killed his father, uh, uh, Bill the Butcher, Daniel Day-Lewis. And this is set in the early days of New York, as Mike alluded to, the 1840s, 1843 era, right? Well, his childhood, I think, is 1840s. The bulk of the story is 1862 because it's during... Um, oh right, the it's Civil during War, the, Civil the American War. Civil War. Yeah, the yeah, I, I I'm mixed on this. Like I gotta say, and it's weird that I'm mixed on this because I really enjoyed this movie, and I I still enjoy this movie. Um, I think this recent viewing has done a like some things do. Like when I watch them again and say like, oh, I had such great ideas of this, and I you know in my mind, and then I watch it again, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. It, you know, I, it doesn't hold up in my mind to what I held it up to be at one point. Um, uh, the, I, I also did a little bit, this time I've done a little bit more reading since I, I knew the, the movie and wanted to know more about it. Um, that it's like the historical accuracy of it and mm. what's going on. And it prompted me to do, I don't always do a lot of research on these, but this one I did some and it, I, maybe I shouldn't have because hmm. I, I realize now that it's considerably more of a story and New York wasn't really like that. And mm. It was, and that got in the way. That got in the way of me enjoying sure. what, it, it, and it should, it, it shouldn't have, right? That's not. I mean, you know, it's thing. whatever. There are a lot of factors. I, I think partly because we recorded our previous episode of the Front Porch this past Friday, so I basically just had the weekend to watch this movie. I ended up watching it in three separate sittings. Um, I found myself being a little more, um. I don't even know how to describe this. Like I couldn't really get into it. And I admit that that is mostly my fault. Um, and so that was my, like, I, I frequently found myself lost as to what, like I, I followed with the main, main Leonardo DiCaprio story, but there was other stuff going on with these side characters that I would lose track of. Yeah, I, so the the when I think when I first watched it, I had this um, awe of the I like how you called it epic because it is very it's just grand. It feels like it's a grand thing, mm-hmm. um, and and I I remember thinking like oh man this this is such so realistic or so you know man people I get how people would react this way in these kind of situations and and, and everything. So so now knowing that like oh it really wasn't like that and there was a lot more to the things like that 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 really put a, a hitch in my second or third or fourth mm-hmm. viewing, I guess, of this movie. Um, and, and I'm still trying to get past it. Even when I was watching it, I was like, okay, 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 just, just enjoy it and, and, and whatnot. There was a lot of side, there was a lot of side things in this movie that story. I think I let go because of other things. Like there was, there's a whole bunch of side characters that aren't important. They don't add to the story. They're extra and don't matter. Um, I, I'm thinking of, is it Colin Meany's character, which he's cool. And I think he's awesome, but we waste a good half hour at the end with his election stuff, which no, didn't matter. That's, um, that's not Colin Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said Colin Meany last, last week. week and, uh, right. yeah, he's, <laughs> I, sorry. I think I know him from in Bruges. 
Maybe? Yes, he's in Bruges. I mean, he's he's been in lots of things. Yeah, but I, again, saw, I love I so Mad Eye Moody in Harry Potter. If you Mad Eye Moody, that's right. Yeah, I, I love his character. I, I feel bad about saying that because I, I think he's a super cool. Franchise I'm not too familiar with. I saw a lot of actors that I was like, okay, who have I seen this guy? And a couple of the yeah. guys from the uh, the guy Ritchie movies. Um, a couple, you know, just of this era where I'm like, oh, I've definitely Eddie seen Marson, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, John C. Riley has a really sure. dramatic turn in this film. I actually thought he was one of the better ones in, in, when I rewatched this, where I thought he, it seemed like he, this was his first chance to do something a little bit more um, serious. Uh, and this came out the same year as Chicago, which yeah. he was also in, he was, where he, he played he had basically really good... Mr. Cellophane. Right. Um, uh, and I want to talk more about Chicago in a moment uh, <laughs> because it had a direct impact on this film. Okay, but I will tell you from my perspective, I I saw it the first time and was unimpressed because I think I was young and stupid. Sure, mm-hmm. I saw it again when I got into film, began critiquing, and thought it was much better. This time, I'll tell you what I noticed because I remembered the plot pretty heavily. I was focused. I would love to hear your reaction to this. The production design, the costumes, yes, editing. Yeah. Where I, mean, I was like, "Wow, it's really seamless." Did you guys? Yeah. It's it's really really good, and I think yeah. some of that, like, I think we're a little bit spoiled now, having seen things like um, Downton Abbey, even Deadwood, stuff like Peaky Blinders. There's a lot of really good production design now, but in in 2002. Like we were still in the middle of the um, Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, you know, a lot of stuff was being right. cheaply made, and of course, this is Martin Scorsese with Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day Lewis. Like they're not gonna half-ass this, but um, <laughs> it is, it is all very like whether or not details are true. You know, when they bring in stuff like um, there's this whole really long sequence. Uh, somewhere it's like close to between the second and third act where the immigrants are getting off the boats being made citizens Mm -hmm. and then conscripted and then being led onto a different boat. That's the same (laughs) boat they're bringing coffins off of. I'm like, yes, I'm like, okay, dial it down a notch, but also (laughs) that's pretty cool. It looks, it looks amazing. And I want to give, I want to give a lot of credit to, Dante Ferretti and Francesca Lociva, who did the production design. You have Sandy Powell, who was excellent. She she's done everything from Cinderella to The Irishman, and Thelma Shoemaker, who you know did the editing. And I have to tell you, gentlemen, that I saw this film, and I had my my Oscar database in my own brain is getting a little rusty in my older age. But I was like, oh, these had to be nominated for the Academy Award. They probably won. They probably had to win because the design is so good. The costumes are so incredible. Um, I found out, and maybe you remember this, this film was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, and including the three I just mentioned, it won zero. Zero. And Chicago is basically the reason. Because Chicago crushed them in all those categories. For example, Sandy Powell who's one of the greatest costume designers of our time, lost to Colleen Atwood, who is the greatest costume designer of our time. He <laughs> did all the costumes in Chicago, in Chicago, um, yeah. which is really fascinating. So I'm going to ask you all, what do you think of that? Do you feel like this film deserved to lose to Chicago in, 
especially those three categories. Well, I, I mean, I mean the the say the categories the problem, again the for problem, me. Sure, production design, costume design, and editing. I mean, that's the real problem, kind of with yearly re- uh, awards. Yeah, right? that, that, that was they're, my first they're reaction. Only, yeah, we, we've seen we Dennis and I have talked several times about like wh- why did this thing get so many awards or why didn't it get so many awards? And then you go back and look like there's the the films that were released that year were so amazing, or it's the only one that was released that year, that or vice versa. By. Like in 2020, right. I'm pretty sure Sonic is going to run away with everything. Yeah, because I mean he's fast, so and also no other yeah. movies have come out. I will I will admit that I have not seen Chicago, so I can't oh, I can't okay. compare it to, to that one. Um, but it, it, just, it still stands that, you know, this, what that it shouldn't nominations should be still seen as a big thing, right? That's it, they do use them in advertising anyway, still like yeah, it's nominated course. for four Academy Awards. And that, that sh- does mean something, you know, I this think. is 10 and zero. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, for, for those things and what I get, you had mentioned here about the design, the set and the costumes and such. Um, I probably on the onset here of this conversation gave Scorsese, Scorsese a little bit too much credit because that also includes all that. I think the I it was so cool the settings and the feel of it's where you were at and the people and uh, did you all the little things like yes. the locket or yes. that when when he turns to the when he he you know after he tries to assassinate the the, the butcher he starts wearing red stripes the right? knife and yes all the, the other blue and the red it's right. so simple but you see so it there. so it's yeah it's it's all those things that actually. That's why I want it to – and I liked it in the first place and still wanted to like this because it's a thing to behold watching it. But I agree. That being said, there's a lot of it that's that's just okay, right? I mean, <laughs> that, yeah, it's, it's just okay. So but, and, I, and I, I have seen – I don't seen, know what it is. I have seen Chicago at least once. That's a, a sort of anomaly in my film history where I um, was still kind of into musical theater. Not that I ever like – really got out of it but there's there's a lull like i've never seen wicked or what's the other one like into the woods and uh hamilton um any of that but i but i saw greatest showman um but i i acquired and listened to the soundtrack to chicago for a long time before i saw it and i listened to it recently i remember everything about the production being really cool and that's it's you know a different animal because i mean of course any any year's oscars for the same category are going to include things that are wildly different um because i feel like i remember chicago having a lot of you know realistic setting kind of stuff like you have in gangs in new york but most of it being stage style um musical numbers which i can see being more impressive to to somebody voting now again it's been too long since i've seen chicago to really give a fair judgment as to which one which one deserved which yeah no, well, the, I, th- I think that uh when i was looking at watching at the time i think maybe the thing that disappointed me the most in in the the movie this go around was um one of my top actors is leonardo dicaprio I, I'm saying that live for the recording. I can't believe I'm admitting it, but he really is. And I did not like him in this that much. Like, I think he was the worst part of it. Well, mm. I want to get to that um, real quick. <laughs> just, just to close, just to close the discussion on the Academy Awards. 
I think it's fascinating. I, I told you about, you know, all these different technical awards that it didn't win. Um, everyone I named earlier for production, costume, and editing, they all won for The Aviator uh, two years later in 2004. The, every single person I just named, and it seems like it could have been the makeup awards for Scorsese, which I think okay. is kind of funny. I just want to have that postscript. That is but funny. I love the idea of talking about the... the Leo had to wait act- a couple more years. Yeah, yeah, the Academy does that, by the way. It <laughs> does. Return of the, Return you, of the King. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, The Aviator is not a better film, and neither none of these people did a better job on that film than they did in this film. Which yeah, is my, 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 my case in point was Return of the King. It's always, you know, like... Right. Um, he got all the awards for the whole the movie. So I would love to talk about the acting. I don't know. Did any of you do some research on the original actors who were supposed to be in this film? Mm-hmm. I did not, no. Okay. Um... So I thought this was fun. Uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory here. Um, this was written in 1977 uh, okay. by uh, Scorsese and his lifelong writing partner. Um, lots of different people are going to be in these roles, but I, I want to hear, Mike, a little bit more about what you thought about DiCaprio as Amsterdam. But the original trio was John Belushi as uh, Cutting and Dan Aykroyd as Amsterdam. Oh no! Well, that's something. Yep, and then that didn't work out. That didn't work <laughs> out. So the next in, pairing in test, that he wanted Mel Mel Gibson as Amsterdam and Willem Dafoe as as Cutting. Okay, okay. maybe, maybe. Getting, All right, I mean, back, back how, then, maybe. How old Mel Gibson? But maybe like we're talking yeah. like uh, Lethal Weapon era. Lethal like, Weapon you know, before the Patriot. Conspiracy theory. Yes, like, I don't know. Pre Braveheart, maybe right around yeah. Braveheart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at that, but, at that time, they were really big actors. Big who were names, sure, things, sure. Yeah. But, but, but again, like, I don't think a kid and, oh, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. That's the thing yeah. I think is kind of fascinating about this. That's uh, the next one I want to throw out there for you. Um, right before they started, before Daniel Day-Lewis said, said yes, their first choice was Tom Hanks as Bill the Butcher. Oh, what? how would you all felt about Tom Hanks okay. and Bill the Butcher? Okay, we, we're all going to groan at that and say, "Oh no!" But no, I, I, I disagree. You, I was going to say, but Tom Hanks has done some roles that you would always think that what, and then you see him, and you're like, "Wow!" You know, this right? is this is a funny um, um, coincidence because uh, my dad and I were talking about it was, I think it was he and I, maybe somebody. We were talking about Tom Hanks and how he, um, you know, is sort of lauded and loved. By everyone and has kind of i mean he doesn't have one character but like woody is just a just a, a like tom hanks with a lot more anxiety kind of kind of thing <laughs> um and but then because we're, we were trying to remember which um best actor awards he has and i think it's philadelphia and uh forrest gump Probably. Um, and of course, Forrest Gump is sort of a departure from his normal, his normal characters that he plays. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen, like, I've never seen Philadelphia and I don't think I've seen him like way out of his normal milieu. I mean, I don't know. He's in Castaway as another one that was pretty good and League of Their right? Own. But like, yeah, I mean, like I, for I mean, playing I think, a, I think where people, for playing people a villain, Tom Hanks. You're you're right. You're not wrong, Dennis. He's never played like a character out of time, like from a bygone era. Like I I would love to see him play 
somebody who is not of this era. Like he played oh, yeah. Walt Disney in Saving Mr. Banks, which right. oh yeah, still, you know, it's still it's still a modern era man. I've never yeah, seen him not a transform full, like period piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think though again, I think that would probably ha- have surprised us. Is I guess my answer there. I mean, I think he would have stood up to the challenge and done something not Daniel Day-Lewis that that character he may have done a good character just different than what we, we I'll seen. I'll not say since we're since we're on the topic of this character there were definitely times I found Daniel Day Lewis's performance distracting. Okay, it, it read to in me in a bad like, way. In a in a well, maybe not bad, but like just just a little bit. Like I'm thinking of Alan Rickman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or <laughs> um, um, George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. Okay. Where like he is bringing such a different energy to this movie than anybody else in the mm, cast on that. screen at any that. moment. It's like the actor, yeah, and and maybe that's intentional. Maybe this this um, uh, Bill Cutting character is supposed to be like sort of you know halfway between not n- never taking anything seriously and taking, th- but it it felt like he wasn't. Not that he wasn't serious, but he was always kind of like, like winking. Does that make sense? Well, he he Daniel Day Lewis is infamous for staying in character even when it's scary. Apparently, there's a good story where Daniel Day Lewis went to dinner with DiCaprio and Scorsese and stayed in character as Bill the Butcher mm, and just scared the Jesus. Super mad. Right off off the waitress. He was like, I'd like a stick, you know, like, you know, (laughs) yeah, I can't even imagine that. But you're right. You're not wrong, Dennis, in that, you know, he just seems to be a little bit in a different movie than the rest of these people. Yeah, like the the movie he's in is a little bit campy. And the movie (laughs) everyone else is in is very serious. That's maybe that's a that's a a cut. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe that's right. I, you're right. He definitely, when I think of him, he's memorable. I will say that. Like, sure, I think of this sure. movie, I think of him, and and maybe that is because he's such apart from everyone else. Um, and I, you're right. Everyone else feels grounded and real, with the exception of DiCaprio and um, oh, what's her name? Um, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Cameron Diaz. They well, they also feel like. They're all not in the same movie. All right, so let's talk about that, Mike, because the original person cast as the role of Jenny is Sarah Michelle Geller, the original Buffy the Vampire Star. Hmm. Would you have preferred Sarah Michelle Geller as Jenny over Cameron Diaz? No, Cameron Diaz was better. I'm sure. I mean, I, 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 I would have been fine either way. I think. Yeah, I think I don't know if it mattered. I mean, I don't know if it mattered. I, I think that against her, her, the her same, character, like, still with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I, I just think, don't think it matters. Her character doesn't matter. She felt like she was a little bit older than him, and I don't know their actual ages, but that yeah, it wasn't distracting. But I think, given you know, just the choice between actors, like maybe that would have been a better match. But, but pull that character out of the show, and it's the same exact. Show. Well, that's a different question, but I agree. All right. Yeah. It. It. She. She. Like. Like the other guy I was talking about. They're they're not important at all. They're great little flavor things, but he makes no decisions based on her 
Amsterdam doesn't. Mm-hmm. And or does she really affect him or change him in any way? No. Uh, yeah, and she doesn't she has a story with Cutter, but it's really irrelevant. And yeah. Cutter doesn't really even only one time does it matter is when he calls her to stage and then does that like, you know, threaten to kill her thing. By That's the way, the only nice. time. By the way, that line where he says, Whoopsie Daisy is improvised by <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis, which I oh, really, is it? Does it kind of love. Does it so, count as improv if he's so deep in method acting? <laughs> that- <laughs> no, if he actually is Bill, right, Bill right. Butcher. So Mike, I'm gonna ask you this question because you alluded to it earlier and I wanted to come back to it. Um DiCaprio, this is his first um exchange with Scorsese which would become a huge exchange where they do several movies together Mm -hmm. am I to take it from your earlier comments you didn't think DiCaprio was strong in this role or you didn't like him in this role uh I like him in so many other things and and you I think you said mentioning that this is his first one uh just makes sense Uh, he you know it's a lot of times we always say iron sharpens iron or or there's mentors Mm. and such and I and I think in a career as prolific as uh, DiCaprio's, he, you know, allied himself with good people, good directors, good creators, and then learned from them and continued to grow. And this was one of his first ones. He wasn't terrible, but he was just okay. And his Irish accent slipped in and out all the time. <laughs> sure. Right. Like I never got that. He was Irish. I never got that. He was out for vengeance, except for the like three scenes where he cries and you know that's that's it you know and then i mean we've just what he just wasn't character i'm glad that cutter was in here and daniel day lewis was in here to distract me from the the protagonist (laughs) we've seen i mean on this poster we've seen aviator we've seen the departed just a couple weeks ago we watched titanic which is like five years earlier than this and i think like I remember his characterization, his personality in Titanic more yeah. more distinctly than I do this, even though the the overall story of Titanic is the most basic, like, you know, a high school creative writing uh story you've ever read. Um yeah. the like I feel like his character in Gangs of New York could have been anybody. It could have been Tom Cruise. Yeah, you know, when, when Fox is giving us, would you prefer this person to play? My answer would have been like, it wouldn't have mattered. I got nothing from DiCaprio here. I mm. cannot feel like I'm putting him down. A blank he character. Bad yeah, I hear you. It was just a blank character. Okay, let's switch this around to Fox then and ask Fox. <laughs> so how, how did, how would you, you watch, just watched it recently. How do you feel about DiCaprio's performance in Swin? And I know you know the breadth of his acting <laughs> career now. But... Um. This is this is not going to be the one. They will show a scene from this, you know, when he gets his Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, yeah. But but it's not going to be the thing he's remembered by. I think he's done many better things all the way through um, things like The Revenant, Django Unchained, even yeah. this last year's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. I thought he was challenged for the first time in his life to give a complex performance by Scorsese and Scorsese was probably like, oh, I got something out of this that I can use. But then Scorsese saw raw talent that he could use in other better movies like Shutter Island. I yeah, agree with sure, you sure. that um, I love DiCaprio and I don't think he does a whole lot 
to be the audience surrogate. He's not the most compelling part of this film. In fact, everyone else demands your attention a little bit more. And that goes yeah. down to both, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, but also John C. Riley, we talked about earlier, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson, we talked about earlier. Even, uh, you know, Liam Neeson in the few brief minutes he has in the beginning of the movie, they're far more compelling. And you just, you know, DiCaprio is sort of your um, connect the dots, as it were, like, who do I get to see and interact with next? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, even right, even yeah. Gary Lewis's yeah. character is is very distinct and memorable in a in a way. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I enjoyed it, but it's funny that I watched Gangs in New York this time and enjoyed the technical details more than I enjoyed the acting. And I and I think for that those reasons, it, it I I want to backpedal us a little bit off here because I it almost sounds like we're back on the show, but I I would say that this on my poster list does belong in my poster list. I think that it is because of the other reasons of this movie, a good movie to watch. It's it's especially if you've never seen it before. It's a good movie to. It's entertaining. There's a lot of scenery to see and people and characters and everyone. Like Dennis said feels like it's a realistic thing with a few exceptions. Um, and just because DiCaprio doesn't put in a, a huge performance doesn't mean his character isn't just like a normal guy in the movie. He's He fits in the, the space for the most part. Um, so it's still a good movie to watch and it's got a lot of credit to it. Um, and But I don't, I think now on this viewing, like I said, about three or four time watching it, uh, that it's lost a little bit of its shine in my memories, I think. Not a lot, but just, I, you know. I had sort of the opposite experience that I had with um, The Aviator. I watched The Aviator back when it was relatively new, probably in the late 2000s, mid to late, and was just, like, frustrated and bored by it. I was like, "What? what is this? Why is this so long and so slow? so boring and then we watched it for the podcast and i went into it with an expectation of going okay this movie's going to be very long and some parts of it are going to seem very slow and draggy and just like anticipate that and you know try to try to focus on focus on things where i saw this movie gangs of new york when it was again probably fairly new i don't know if i saw it in theaters or not um and couldn't really remember anything about it. I said this earlier. And so there were several times where I'm like, I I would realize that my mind had wandered. And I'm like, what's going on? What are the, What is he showing us here? And I think because I had forgotten that it was a Scorsese film, I was not in the right headspace for it. And so the story would come, stuff would start happening again. And I'm like whose side am I supposed to be on with this? Am I supposed to be confused? What's what's going on? And I, and I felt like here and there you could have cut out, you know, a total of at least a half an hour's worth of material and and still gotten, you know, the, the experience across. It felt, oh, for it sure. felt longer, for much sure. longer than it needed to be. For sure. And I know for that sure. that's Scorsese's style, so, you know. Yeah, some of that's on there, me. There, there are there are show movies that if you want to see these people all included at a higher level, you can. Except for maybe like set designers and things like that. That that, as Fox alluded to, kind of deserved awards for this. Um, 
So yeah, if we we could probably move into move into final judgments here. What do you think, Fox? Yeah, yeah uh, um, I want to hear you all go first, and then I'll try to. Follow <laughs> your sure. My 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 final judgment on this one is that it's a good movie, and it's definitely worth watching. If you've not seen Gangs of New York, it's a it's not a historically accurate movie. It's just a tale about you know impoverished slum New York City gangs that had happened and uh, some bit of timepieces with some interesting characters. As a whole, it's a good movie to watch and I could probably say it would fit pretty solidly in my 100 list of things that I would recommend to people to watch. And if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm not seeing Gangs of New York and would should I should I watch that? Is that worth my time? I'd say, yeah, you you should. You've never seen that before. It's it's worth watching. Um, Not like oh my god, go out right now! But it's worth it. <laughs> maybe maybe low Dennis? on the list. Um, yeah, boy, this one this one's a tough call for me. Like I've had almost no movies on this poster where I said they didn't they didn't belong on the poster. Um, it's harder for me to say what box this chick this checks off ticks off. Um, it's you know it's a Scorsese film, but. As I said, we already have the Aviator on the list. I don't know. I don't know if I would say, if I could say between these two, which one is better. Like I went into Aviator with a better uh, attitude, better expectation. I know Fox mentioned a movie called Shutter Island that I am certain that I've not seen. Um, that might be a better pick. I'll I'll leave that for him to. For him to say, I think for me, if I included this one on my list, it would be toward the bottom. And as yeah. in that something I could maybe think of something that's a better fit. I don't know. I'm on the f- it, it is hard that we just followed this up a week after Ugh. a movie that we really, really enjoy. Yeah. 12 Angry uh, Men, which was an easy, you know, ugh. layup. Yeah. An easy, an easy one. Gosh. Uh, Fox, okay. what do you think? Uh, okay. I, I know this is one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> does it? How it's it's fascinating because if the question is, is it, does it fall in my top one hundred? I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting because this is like one hundred two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I actually really think people should watch this film, but I come at it from the technical angle, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. come at it from the like look at how the camera moves and look at how the costumes shine and they yeah. dictate the sides, the battle lines that they draw in the earth. And, and so like the things I love about this film are not story based and they're not yeah. even really a- acting based. I mean, I think Daniel Day Lewis is a great job of Bill yeah, cutting sure. and I, he's dynamic and charismatic. So I love this film, but I love it as like a, more of a class on how to make an interesting periodic epic. It's sort of like mm-hmm. a spiritual successor to Lawrence of Arabia, right? Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> right. is not historically accurate. No. But I love watching it because I love seeing what they did with that particular place and time. And it's um, that's that's a weird one because the historical Lawrence was that kind of guy like he spun these yarns about his great right. adventures in the desert and so it but hey, hey sort of makes sense the, the la- last word on this one i, I gotta i'm gonna ask fox here before we move on to the next one if scorsese didn't direct this film do you think it would be as good well 
who who do you want to sub in my put, friend? Put, I mean put Spielberg in there. <laughs> Spielberg gets a lot happier. I mean, um, <laughs> Amsterdam's relationship with his dad would be much more complicated if this were a Spielberg film, <laughs> right? Because Spielberg. it would just be all about it. Would there would Le- be so many more scenes? Liam like, Neeson Liam would crush Neeson. his dreams somehow. Liam Neeson would arrive as a Force Ghost, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay, so what what do we got next week, Dennis? What are we what are we watching? Yeah, now I'm curious. Okay, this is a good one to talk about. Though uh, we're going the other way. This is a movie called. The Untouchables. I don't know if I'm not Untouchables. Not, not Untouchables. This is a movie from 2011. I believe it's in French. Okay, um, I've never heard of this one. Fox, have you heard of this one? Untouchables. Yes, Untouchables. I have. Okay. It, it can, can can you give us a little lead? Is it is I can, it okay? I can, you, th- you think it's okay? Uh, or oh, here, be- better question. Do you think? Dennis might like it, and I might like it, which are two different things. I don't right? think Michael likes anything. Um, oh, there we go. <laughs> I think Dennis will appreciate it. I think it'll be it'll be a slog to get through, though. Okay. Oh man, that's rough. Okay, so I got to spend. Okay, that's helpful because then I know I. It's one of those movies I'm going to have to sit down and like give it a week. time to and attention. Give it a to. week. You do twenty minutes a night. <laughs> oh, you in uh, in beat in bits. No, okay. no, it'll be fun. Okay, Intouchables. I'm I'm I'm. It's a. Yeah, it looks like more of a character story. Um, <laughs> so, oh, hey, so a couple things we've done this last week. Um, we're we we are kind of still in our uh, our uh, COVID time Quarantine, things. Yeah. All the things are loosening up, but we're still we're still all. If, if anything, a lot of us are still regularly connecting online uh, more than we did before. I guess still. So that's even as things around the country start to kind of loosen up and people are going outdoors more. We, I think we're still doing um, uh, digital or virtual kind of meet up with friends, including the two of you. Uh, so we got to do we've been doing some Star Trek recently. Mm-hmm. Right. So for Star, sorry, Star Trek Bridge Crew, Bridge crew. I should say we, the, the three of us do Star Trek stuff all the time, but <laughs> but not uh, this way. It's true. This Absolutely. is uh but we we did a little differently because like I've been doing it through VR. Dennis had done it on PC, but now does it on VR. I played it years ago on PC, and on I v- feel like PC. that might have even been a night that Zahn and I and a third person, maybe you, Mike, played Artemis on Steam, and then and then a couple of us tried out Bridge Crew. I don't think I ever played Bridge Crew with people, but I had played it. Mm like once for an hour and a half or whatever on steam on my pc and i thought it was fine but definitely seemed like a game that was designed for vr um especially from the single player uh sort of perspective so yeah you guys played well, this well fox yeah you, fox played us fox played uh, artemis with us i think at gen con right fox yes i've tried both we did a versions those, that yeah. gen gen con offers in terms of the uh bridge crew simulator i think is what they call mm-hmm. it yeah um and i can skip ahead and say that the star trek bridge crew is way beyond uh any of those in terms of entertainment value and engagement uh it is super fun um i yeah. was actually shocked how great it was <laughs> i actually feel like i'm part of a bridge crew yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true and and it Yes, it's very thematic, mm-hmm. but it's it's not because 
of Star Trek that makes it so great. I, it's hard to say because I, I also very much enjoy being part of a Star Trek bridge. That's that true. Game. It's sort of but, a there, – there are two sides to that. Like the – having the real – quote, unquote, real. Having the, having the actual things instead of like vague, uh, you know, um, different words – for for the same for the same thing yeah. where like you know they're concerned about um um you know IP violation trying to make it intellectual say, property say this can be the real and... thing when i when i look out the back window of the of the briefing room like i can see nacelles on a on a starship like it looks how i yeah. think a, a starship is supposed to look um, because of course right. i'm a but you could enjoy this without that ip though too you, right you like, can you can the right. The other ones seem very um, focused on the players being physically together on multiple devices, which is a cool thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But the the generic nature of it and the relatively low, both of the ones we played, even though I think Artemis was the one we liked better, still had that feel of like this was made by one guy in his spare time. Um, yeah. like it all works and that's impressive, <laughs> but that's as far as, as the being impressed. Um, I would agree um, with gets. that. I agree with that. And and that's not, that's really not this one. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a huge production because I know that they made this kind of like for, Oh, here's an example for VR for being a real game. And I can't, I know Ubisoft was the producer, but I don't, I can't think of who the, the game creators were, but I, I don't think that they were some huge, huge thing. And I also don't, get a lot of big press on this this game or hadn't thought about a lot of a press on it besides it being star trek but playing it like, like many things vr it's hard to describe it's just a, a just a joy it's just a joy to, to be there and i play i agree my role on the ship is one of the least interaction i think i mean i make decisions but i everyone else is doing so much more things at one time than what i do and I still have a great time. Like I'm not cool enough to like, you know, put us to a certain heading or uh, increase <laughs> engines or you know, arm torpedoes and so I don't get to do that cool stuff, but that seems super fun as well. So like, before we hop into Yeah, those. before we get too granular in the details there, it's important to note this is a game that um I think was designed for VR, but a virtual reality, but has a standard desktop client where you sort of move your camera your head camera yep, around that's what i play with your mouse yeah. and i and, i did and, that and playstation and and playstation and works with psvr i assume um yeah uh-huh. and so so that's and they all interrupt to inter, are interoperable together yeah, are, in the same are interoperable in interoperable there we go um because i know we had at least I played. So you guys played once without me, and then we played again last night. Um, I played um, um, Oculus Link from my PC, my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's kind of funny with the with the Oculus Quest. You can see through the nose part of it, like if you don't have any yeah. extra things on. At least I can, and okay. so I could tip my head just so and see <laughs> and see the screen okay. on my laptop and you don't really appreciate how much a VR headset like the frame rate has to be super important until you see the screen on your laptop moving around so fast 
Like it (laughs) moves as fast as I can turn my head. So it looks like I'm looking around the bridge. Um, but I know that, uh, a couple people have PlayStation. Um, a couple of people are playing steam from their PCs. I was playing steam through my Oculus quest and some people were playing directly on the Oculus quest version of the game. And we could all connect because we're connecting through Ubisoft's, um, um, friend social network yeah and that's it's it's just like that's so rare for a for a, a you know like playstation to allow that or anyone else to kind of i think it might no they do have dlc for it but it's you know it's very rare that games get interact and that's been really a huge thing to get us all together uh we mentioned today that some people are like oh it's a great game but good luck getting three of your other friends to play it we're very fortunate because of this interoperability uh, between cross compatibility. Between that, and, we have ten people and people being stuck at home. We ended up, uh, yeah, set up three three separate ships, and the the one I did, we just had three players. We didn't have four. It does seem to be ideal with four players. Oh sure, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean that, that that's definitely. Um, we had. I, I, tr- I tried to play it single player after this, and it's just not the same. I loved it before. Now not. So yeah, much. you have to give. You have to. You're constantly giving orders to the AI, and the AI is not very good. Um, so you you basically are playing just the bridge command part of of Star Trek. You know, very little uh, story. I remember um, this morning, Mike, you describing this sort of tactical maneuver that your your crew did where they reduced the signature really low and then got to the absolute maximum range or yeah maximum range that they needed yeah. to fire on on somebody and could fire and like do all this without raising shields and drawing drawing attention and I'm like and that's not what starfleet officers do they don't they don't <laughs> sneak attack they don't install cloaking devices that's that's wrong I want to I want to jump in there Dennis because what I kind of love about this game is the idea that you naturally kind of role play like yeah. I, I yeah. find myself very very easily feeling like I have to address the captain as sir or ma'am you know what I mean like it, there's <laughs> great wonderful feeling where you're getting addressed and you're like holy shit I'm in Starfleet now um yeah. you're just like i have which, to i have to follow which is a, which the is rank a departure of what's going yeah. on that's a departure from our uh, klingons and dragons <laughs> episodes too right like yeah, yeah. you don't feel that Crossover. you don't feel that compulsion but I, anytime I totally, <laughs> I totally feel like i have to address the captain as yes captain no captain well captain we've arrived in the system and you know it i love the immersion i think that's the word totally i would agree. use yeah which is totally i was surprised by I'll say, and, and I will, I will echo that and say that, like, I'm as the captain, I feel so dependent on everyone doing so well. Like, I, while I'll say, like, oh yeah, go go to warp or you know punch it or whatever we say, um, it's like when we get into the the heat of it, like everyone has to be doing their things, and I can see over their shoulders, and I'm seeing Justin tap the thing, charge the warp coils, charge that stuff, and I'm like. I, they're just doing their jobs, and that's really a great feeling yeah. when your crew comes together. They, I'm part of that team, and I want to be able to say, like, helmsman, take us to warp, or or tactical, you know, blow that guy out of the sky, I, and you feel they're in charge of that as an now, officer. Now, you guys were on separate ships, right? Yes. So I had the I had the weird sort of experience where I got everything set up the night before last and walked through the tutorial mission, the Kobayashi Maru um in single player 
And okay. um, on my ship, because Trotsky was hosting, I let him... Did you cheat? No, I let him be captain, and he had only played one of the stations, so he didn't know how to do any of the captain stuff. Like, he was just struggling oh, with the yeah. with the interface. Sure. And... Oh, yeah, it's tough. Because I played Helm, which is the most active, like... Engineering is active at certain points and tactical is active. Those are both active, especially in combat, where the helm seems to be, you know, very active almost all the time. Um, And because I knew I had just done the tutorial. So when we did the tutorial, I'm like, oh, we got to do this and then we got to do this. I already knew what was coming next. Um, And then even when we got into the mission I hadn't done, I could see all the quest objectives and I'm like, Oh, we need to warp over here. So let me punch that in. Let me steer the ship around. And by the time uh, Trotsky as captain got caught up to what we needed to do, I was already doing it. Um, Oh, I see. Which made that a little bit of a bummer. But still at the same time, like when I got everything lined up and could, you know, crank the handle forward to make us go into warp or whatever, I really did kind of want to roleplay it a little bit. Like, you know bust out my sulu impression or when we when we had to i ran the transporters which i think anybody could do but it was no i think only you can uh maybe tactical yeah i think transporters and some kind of system intrusion are something that what whatever it's not important i was running the transporters and it has this timer when it while it's um locking on to all the to all of the people um, and so you have to wait for that into a timer that you see the captain doesn't see. And so when the, when the timer would run out and I could hit the next button, I would go, energizing, which I was like, that's, that's cool. That's, <laughs> that's a thing they say. It, it is. Yeah, I know it's, it's super cool. And it, I think, uh, that role-playing thing Fox said is the, is the, it's a na- it felt very natural to do for, for myself and the crew. And when we were done and we debriefed and we're hanging out in the little lobby room area, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it felt very much like a, Hey, we as a team just did a thing. And that was very cool. And we were all part of a mission, you know, mm-hmm. that was very fun and very, very interesting. Yeah. The, we can't, uh, uh, to defend Trotsky a bit, he he was kind of thrown into that, that captain. Yeah. Mission, that's, but, uh, that's you know, nothing against him. And actually yeah. the point that I, had intended to make when I started talking and got a little lost yeah. there is that I had that sort of issue is too strong of a word, but that kind of little bit of a, of a down downer kind of thing. And the audio was not very good. It was very like glitchy. And I don't know if that's because of the, the link, the Oculus link thing I did buy and install the native quest version of the game. Maybe that will run better. Um, no. But it wasn't as good as the audio you get like on discord or something. And so that, kind of distracted me i did lose my microphone at one point and had to rejoin into the game which of course breaks that whole immersion thing but the point i was trying to make is that Mm. even with all of those sort of issues i still did feel the like especially in the vr you look around at the ship and like you tap you know it's not your hand but you're still pushing buttons on the screen and you're moving your hands around to do stuff and um it's all very very cool yeah, I, I'm looking forward to like a next kind of Fox Dencon thing in the in the normalish times, and uh, having having Fox play VR. I think you know mm. being immersed in at the at the computer is pretty cool. Oh, Great. it's my next level, man. 
Yeah, and and I know you're playing on a really big, huge screen type thing. It's not the <laughs> same. Helps a lot, but this but game, still, I will I, say, I like we're not, it. we aren't paid by Oculus Quest, um, but <laughs> I will say mm-hmm. I don't have it. Although I, I understand why it could be so much fun in this particular game. Yeah, and and some of the things that are neat about it being in VR to kind of wrap up this part of the conversation here is that, um, you know, when Justin or Marcus are looking at me like are talking to me they turn their heads to look at me mm-hmm. like as the captain like they marcus or justin is doing his things and i can see him working on his console but then he'll look back at ben and ask for you know power to phasers and he his head looks around to ask yeah. him right and then he looks over to me and and i look in a direction and i can even point to like that guy over there and they see that, and that's really cool. Our, right? our game had a pretty really funny cool. moment where, um, if you don't do VR, you don't know this, what this means, but my Guardian was a little off. And so I went into the menu to adjust it, and it's all weird because I'm not used to playing with the Oculus Link mode. And when I got huh? back into the game, my mic wasn't working, but I didn't know that. <laughs> and so we got to the thing where we're supposed to beam the survivors out, and I had the transporter controls open and I'm like, Oh, I can do this, but we have to drop shields. Trotsky had accidentally pressed the red alert button a couple of times because it's right next to answer hail. And the <laughs> buttons are a little, a little hard to line up with the controller. And I thought that they just hadn't heard me. And so they kept like changing. They're like, I think anybody can use the transporter controls. And, and Jill said, well, it says that I can't, but it's being used by the helm station. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I can do it. I just need you to drop shields. <laughs> and this went around and around. And eventually I realized they couldn't hear me. And so I went into the menu. I came back in the game. They still couldn't hear me. At one point I was gesturing. I'm like waving my arms because Trotsky was like, Dennis, can you hear us? And so I waved and nodded and they're like, okay, he can hear us, which is just this funny. And like, I pointed at tactical because I wanted them to drop shields. Eventually I had to quit and restart the game, but it was this hilarious sort of thing where I could pantomime action, but I couldn't, they couldn't hear me. <laughs> well, if we can talk uh, geek scholar, Chris into to playing Star Trek, then we can get one of the geek scholar people on each ship from, from here on out is, is what we can we can aspire I'll work to on for... that. I'll work on that. <laughs> Our Star Trek. I, I have a mission episode. from the captain, right. from the admiral. Get get get, get, uh, get Chris to, to play some some oh, Star he'd Trek. He'd love it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, we we can get. Like I said a geek scholar on every ship would be. There you, there you go. There you go. I love that. That's, that's the way to go. Well, I think we did it this week, fellas. I got a. I want to talk a little bit more about some upload and um, some Harley Quinn next week. I think Dennis, um, I'm behind on my Harley Quinn, or I would definitely talk about it with Fox because I know he probably has watched them all. Unlike terrible fanboy me, I've, I'm one behind. I'm one behind. I, I, I love yeah, the show. I'm I'm Gala also Kuko one behind. Lake Bell are amazing. It's it's hard. You know what? It is one of those ones that. Uh, I could sit and binge watch all because they're so fantastic, but I, every one I watch, it makes me a little sadder because I know that it's going to be done with the season. <laughs> you know, I'm closer to the end of the season. Uh, all, all I can say is that, uh, the one person who just keeps getting better every episode since the first is Clayface. He is like, mm. 
so perfect. Well, it's, Whoever, Al, it's Alan Tudyk. Yeah, I mean, I mean Alan he, Tudyk. Yeah, he's I mean, the voice also of Joker and like six other characters. Yeah, yeah. Alan. Who, whoever decided to make Clayface be an actor just <laughs> n- nailed that idea, right? Just nailed that idea. Uh, the one I just recently watched was when he turns into a sorority girl, and I was, oh, and they they infiltrate. Uh, is it Riddler's school? Riddler's thing. Yeah, and I. I get I got giddy the whole time. Every time he showed up and he's talking about his boyfriend Chet and is that texting. Is that when they introduce uh Barbara Gordon? Yes. Yeah. Right, Batgirl. Right. That's um yeah. so the the the, vo- the voice good. actress uh for that character is Kayla Cuoco's uh little sister. So she sounds kind of similar. She does fantastic too. Yeah. Kelly is yeah. Cuoco is is like surprisingly good. Yeah, I was I, I was nervous before we watched this show, but it like she does she does that character great and the the relationship between Harley and Ivy is great and so much of the writing would just catch the second season does a lot of like um I I call them cooking jokes but like the joke about uh her and Clayface or not Clayface her and Kite Man um making too much chili because they invested in a slow cooker like that is hilarious to me. It's a kind of it's dumb, very but, funny. It's uh, good. It's good writing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what what does what does Harley say? She says, uh, "Take advice from that slow cooker, cooker, and let this simmer." Mm. <laughs> yeah, the the uh, all the all the side characters are also. It's not just Harley and Poison Poison Ivy that are good. They, they all the side characters just keep growing better, including the dumbest character of Kite Man. Like he is so good. Every more episode that I oh, see. very I, funny. I think the Jason Alexander character is dumber than Kite Man. Oh, which one is uh, that? The, the, wheel, uh, the wheelchair wheelchair guy? Right. Actual intelligence? Because yes, you're right. I mean, maybe, maybe yes. both. He's he's the like. It's the whole show is funny, but he's the most like comic relief character. The, Why are we in this mall? Why are we in this mall? Who are you, people? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that guy, jo- okay, George that Costanza, guy, yeah, right? right? In, in the wheelchair. George, Right, that guy. Oh yeah, he's he's something. He does that, that uh, but I'll, that weird that weird transformer thing in season one oh, freaked you out. Is I the know. weirdest. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest this show has gotten. It there it has a lot of weird that moments. Got really but weird. That was that the got really weird. I and and I, Dennis, or Dennis uh, Fox being a, a, a comic book fan of reading like the DC comics. Yes. Knows that these characters are really not like this in the comics. No, I mean maybe in the Harley well, comics, but not in normal. Well, comics. Harley's well, a relatively I, like, new character, but yeah. Yeah, nineteen ninety-three. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, that's still twenty-five. I know we're old. Years we're ago. old. I mean, it was compared yeah. I mean, to was, Batman. Well, right. yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, Harley Quinn was introduced <laughs> in Batman the Animated Series. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but she's still newer than like King Shark, right? Yes, or maybe even. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Kite Man. So, Kite Man is older. Kite Man. <laughs> That's great. But but either way, though, like these characters are different in their own things, and someone just took like the raw uh, character, I guess, of or powers even of these characters, and said, "Nope, we're going to do that and put this in a a, a body of." You know, a funny, aloof dude, or I mean, you know, let's make fun of this. Yeah, I mean, Joker is basically Joker, but have we seen? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't read a lot of comics, but have we seen Bane anything like this Bane? Well, it's it's a comic, it's a it's a comical version of the Dark Knight Rises, which is really funny and yeah. so self aware, right? Like, right. They, like right. his voice, 
thing did not sound like this until <laughs> Tom Hardy <laughs> until Tom was Hardy. putting a mask in every movie he was yep. in because um, he just can't talk like a human. That's apparently right. And so, so then oh, you take yeah. that, which is a little cartoonish already, and you're like, oh. What if he's at Starbucks and he's like, God damn it, Todd, I've told you my name a hundred times. <laughs> That's a great bane, by the way. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop. I was lucky to 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 actually be with Jim Lee, the president of DC Entertainment. Mm. Um wow. and he, that awesome. Love his art. Yeah, you know, you yeah, yes, on the show. I gotta I gotta I gotta share a thing or two. Um, and he and I were hanging out. He was drawing a life-size Harley Quinn. And he said to me, he's like, you know, Harley Quinn was introduced so many years ago, but she could be so interesting if we got to see the DC universe from her perspective mm. and how these people are kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. You know, and how they're like, they're so defined by a singular character char- char- characteristic i guess um and and so you know it was cool for me to hear from the president of dc comics talk about what it would be how fucking funny it would be to see things through her eyes like how it must look when you're a psychologist and you're kind of smart um and all these people are kind of absurd you know (laughs) from your point of view yeah and that's that's the that's the crux of the show which i always really appreciated yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. And, and that's why, you know, Dennis has told me a couple of times about like, hey, have you caught up? Have you caught up? And, and I and I always feel embarrassed that I haven't because like it's the show that I should be watching every time one one drop. I mean, we like we I, talked I, about this when we saw uh, Birds of Prey, which was fine. But I said, man, if fine. if Harley <laughs> Quinn, the animated series was not happening, I would have thought Birds of Prey was much better. They didn't know what the other hand was doing. No, I know, I know, but it's it's so unfortunate because I'm like, right, yeah, Harley Harley Quinn is so good. I mean, I mean, is it a mistake? Because I think if they were in agreement, I think the cartoon wouldn't be as good. I think they would have pulled it back to be more in line with what. Which I would have been sad with because I think I, I really like the movie and I defend it, but I think the show is better. Yeah. Oh, the show is definitely better. Yeah, I I mean, the the movie is fine. And, and Dennis said it right when he said it's fine, <laughs> but 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 the but the, the 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 show Harley Quinn is is so good and and all on, on fires on all cylinders every episode that it's just so good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll I'll watch more of that next week. Hopefully, I'll catch up to the to the end and we can talk about that next week. And then I definitely want to talk about upload, which uh, Sydney and I finished, and uh, I like it a lot. So, yeah. Although yeah. it's a it's got some issues. It's a weird one. Cool. I. Well, Fox, thanks for coming on again, brother. Oh, my gosh. It is an honor to come on the front porch and speak <laughs> to you, to Mike and Dennis. I, I hey, have ne- the... Next time, bring Jim Lee, will you? Next time, bring Jim Lee. That's, that's <laughs> oh, I'll call Jim. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's the only thing. Looks like, right. But honestly, gentlemen, it's an absolute honor to be on this show and speak with fellow geeks who are so insightful and so thoughtful and so just, you know give such great perspective to all types of things, whether it's a comic book, whether it's a film, whether it's a show. Um, It's just really enlightening. And I think that your listeners are all the better for all the things you share with them. So thank you for letting me be part of the conversation. Thanks Fox. We, we know you're only talking about Dennis, but that's okay. (laughs) We, 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 
We're, we're good. Thank, thanks, Ben. We really do. It's awesome. Always have, have oh, you Mike, on. are you are you on this show regularly? <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm also. Oh, a you're guest. you're you're it's like you're like on this. Oh, okay. I'm on the, oh. just tonight, just today. Oh. I might be on next week. <laughs> okay, I hope you come back. I we'll, hope Dennis invites we'll, you I, back. We'll reevaluate after Sweeps <laughs> Week to see whether we we make a series regular. When is the series, penultimate right. episode? That's when you know do, whether who do who I get series regular credit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I credit for that. I got to talk to my agent. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, I think we got it. We saved like four lives cool. this week. This cool. is pretty great. Good. All right, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred and forty-three. Thanks as always to our friends, Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. I'll put links to that stuff in the in the show notes. Uh, if you like Star Trek role-playing or Star Trek role-playing, you can check out our other show, KlingonsDragons.com. We're behind a couple weeks there. That's my fault. There'll be a new episode soon. Dennis, shame. I know. I know. Shame. Uh, if you have questions, comments, tell us your favorite Martin Scorsese movie to put on your 100 movie bucket list. You can reach out to us on the website, uh, frontporchpodcast.com. So there are contact forms there. Or you can email us directly if you're into that. That's frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, you could subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. And I'm Fox. Honored to be a welcome guest on The Front Porch. You can find me at our online. Take care and listen in next week to The Front Porch. It's going to be another amazing show. Hi, everybody. See you next time. Bye.